Hello everybody and welcome to the special edition of Roped In. I'm your host John Roper. What makes today's episode a special edition is it's Jamaica's Independence Day. We are celebrating our 61st year of independence. August 6th, August 6th 1962 was Independence Day. So big up all the Jamaican people then. This morning I woke up, I had ackee and saltfish, I had some Johnny cakes, I had some planting. Oh, it tastes good. And then for lunch, I made myself a jerk chicken sandwich. Oh, God. And tonight, brown stew, chicken and rice and peas. And then I woke up from my dream, remembered I was in Canada, and I actually didn't have any of that. I had a good breakfast, but it, it wasn't that, so it was quite disappointing. Um, but yeah, here we are. Uh, I'm going to put it out there. It, today's episode is all about football. It's Jamaica's Independence Day, so yes, I am calling it football. To all those people that would like to think it's called soccer, today I am calling it football, and this is my disclaimer. If you're not a fan of football, I get it. You can tune out now, and I'll see you next week, because today we're going to be talking about the English Premier League predictions. I'm going to be predicting who I think is going to finish in the top five, top six for that European battle spot, who I think is going to be relegated, who I think is going to win Golden Boot, and then a couple of other things here and there. Um, and then, by a special request by my Auntie Connie. Yep, shout out to Auntie Connie. Um, again, for those people that aren't Jamaican, it's not actually my auntie. Um, I'm not actually going to explain it for my Jamaican people. If you know, you know. So Auntie Connie wanted me to do a dive. So here we are. I'm going to be talking about the Reggae Girls history. Jamaican football women's team which is then going to lead me into the Women's World Cup because it's an exciting tournament that's going on right now and I'm going to be predicting what's I think is going to happen I will recap a little bit of what's already happened and then yeah predict what I think is going to happen and who I think is going to win so again it's a big football related episode let's uh let's dive right into it So one of my favorite leagues to follow is starting up this Friday, August 11th. It's the English Premier League. Um, I'm a huge fan of the English Premier League. And again, um, it's Burnley Man City that's kicking us off this year. So before that, I want to do a little bit of my predictions. So I'm going to talk about who I think is going to finish in the top four and then the top six. So who I think is going to be fighting for those European spots. I'm going to be talking about who I think is going to get relegated who I think is going to win the Golden Boot. <clears throat> yep, some of it's not going to be a surprise. I'm going to get that out of there. Um, so yeah, it's it's a league that I absolutely love to follow. And I'm going to be giving my take on who I think is going to finish where and who I think is going to perform well. Um, so yeah, let's dive right into it. So the new teams coming into the English Premier League are Burnley, Sheffield United, and Luton Town. Um, if you're not familiar with the English Premier League and you have stuck around after my disclaimer, I will say English system and a lot of the soccer systems around the world, how it works is there's different tiers in England. So there's the English Premier League and then right beneath it, there's the EFL Championship. So the top three teams from the EFL Championship replace the bottom three teams from the English Premier League. So again, those new teams were Burnley, Sheffield and Luton. The teams they replaced were Leicester City, who 
I mean, they have a spot in my heart. They were the 2015-16 champions. They went on that wonder run. I actually have a Jamie Vardy jersey because of that. Um, but yeah, they got relegated along with Leeds and Southampton. And again, replaced by third time Burnley, Sheffield, and Luton. And again, for those non-football fans, there's a lot of leagues, a lot of tiers throughout England. So again, the bottom three replaced the top three and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, that's the, the new teams and the old teams on the table. The rest of the teams are the same. Diving right into it, the team I think is going to finish at the top of the table and take the crown. It's not a surprise to anybody. It's Manchester City. They're the betting odds. They're minus 175. Um, for those people that aren't betters, I don't need you to get into it, but what that means is you have to bet $100. No, you have to bet $175 just to win $100. Being in the minus is a huge favorite, but again, they're minus 175, the only team in the minus. They're huge favorites to win the league, and yep, they're my favorite too. Um, this is going to be a four-time repeat. They're three-time champions, so they're coming off a three-peat. There's only two other teams that have done a three-peat, and it's actually Man United twice. Um, they, yeah, it was under Alex Ferguson's era. So Man City and Man United Manchester are the only teams in the Premier League era to do a three-peat. And I think Man City is going to win four in a row. Um, I don't really know who would bet against them. They won the treble last year. Again, for those people that aren't the, the biggest football fans, what the treble means is you win your league, you win your domestic league's cup, and you win the Champions League. Manchester City did all of those. They won the treble. They're a great team. Um, they have enough depth on their team that both their lineups, I think, no matter who they played, would fight for that number one seed in the Premier League, but especially the number one lineup. Um, they didn't really change a crazy amount from last year. Kevin De Bruyne, he's way too good. He's a magical playmaker. He, he does make it look way too easy in the center of the park. Um, Phil Foden and Jack Grealish are, are growing on the wings there. They're the young English pairing. Um, Jack Grealish, I think, is loving his time in Man City. They replaced Gundogan with um, Mateo Kovacic from Chelsea, who's my favorite team. I'll get into them. But they replaced Gundogan with Kovacic. Um, there is a possibility, I've heard, that they're going to get Alfonso Davies. And if they do that, that's going to be a, a deadly lineup. Um, but again, there's not many teams that I think are going to stop them. They've got Erling Haaland coming off the golden boot. He's a wonderful player. For those people that don't know him, I'm not going to get too much into his backstory because I might do one coming up in the future on one of these episodes. He's that good. Um, he won the golden boot, the best striker, the best attacker. I think he's going to do it again this year. Um, so yeah, Man City's number one team. They won last year. I don't think anything's come into the position where they can beat them so they're going to stay in that number one spot right behind them I don't really think it's changed as well I think it's going to be Arsenal um, they pushed Man Manchester City all of last year they had the number one spot for a little bit they have gotten better is it good enough well I mean I don't think so that's why I have Manchester City finishing first but Arsenal could push them again Arsenal could do it this could be Arsenal's mm -hmm. year um, they've added Declan Rice. He was $116 million. Um, they added Kai Havertz. He's also from Chelsea. Um, I'm going to get into Chelsea. They got gutted, but I, I'm going to get into Chelsea. But yes, Kai Havertz went to Arsenal for $75 million. And they also got Timber, who's a defender from Ajax. They got him for $40 million. Um, 
Only real notable player that they've lost, Granit Xhaka from Switzerland. They lost him for only $15 million. I say notable because I like him. I can't really say he did a crazy amount of performances, but Arsenal, I think, have done a lot better. They've, they've really improved their roster. Mikel Arteta, I think, is a great manager. He's one of those player-turned-managers that, that really did work out. I was hoping as a Chelsea fan that Lampard was going to work out, but it didn't really work out the way that Arteta and Arsenal did. Um, I think he's going to really develop this team a lot better. Bad English. Um, but yeah, Arteta is a great manager for there, for them. Um, and I think Arsenal is going to be a, a really, really good team um, with the additions they've had. Um, Declan Rice makes it look easy for everybody else he plays with. Kai Havertz didn't really flourish, but I think he's going to play the right position in Arsenal. I do think Arteta is going to use him correctly and... He's going to come back to the form that he had when he was playing for Leverkusen over in Germany. Um, so Arsenal, I think, is going to push, but they're not going to get there because Man City is too good, so they're going to finish second. Third place, a lot of people are going to call me biased. Again, this is my favorite team. I actually think Chelsea is going to finish third place. Um, a lot of you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Again, you can you can say all you want in the comment section um, for this Uh but yeah, they're, they're going to finish third in my eyes. They have a lot of new faces. Mario Pochettino is back to the Premier League. He's doing another he's doing another coaching performance. Um, he started with Southampton. Then he went to Tottenham. Uh, then he left Tottenham to Paris Saint-Germain. Won a couple of things over there, but it's not really hard because it's PSG and they're the greatest team over in France. It's not that hard with what they had. And now he's back coaching Chelsea. He hasn't really won anything in the Premier League. But I do think he's going to be a good coach. I do think he's going to be a great addition for, for Chelsea. But again, as I said, they have a lot of new faces, so I'm going to get into it. I'm a huge Chelsea fan, and I'm gutted at some of the people they've lost. But they really took a lot of people out of the, the team that, that I was used to and, and familiar with watching. Players they have lost, I've mentioned it, Kai Havertz to Arsenal. I already mentioned Kovacic to Man City. They also lost Mason Mount to Man United, which I'm going to get into later. They were torn apart by the Saudi League. They got Conte for free. They lost Edward Mendy and uh, Koulibaly, who was their goalkeeper and, and defender. I'm sorry. I'm saying a whole bunch of names, and you guys don't know a whole bunch of them. Havertz is a midfielder. He's an attacker. He was lost to Arsenal. Kovacic is a midfielder. He was lost to Man City. Conte is, in my eyes, the best or one of the best defensive midfielders in the past 10 years. He's an energizer bunny, runs all over the place, great defender, great midfielder, box-to-box, -box, knows exactly what to do, where to be. Lost him to the Saudi League. Edouard Mendy and Koulibaly are goalkeepers and defender. They lost, again, to the Saudi League. We lost Christian Pulisic, who is... Um, <laughs> remember there was an episode of... Uh, what's that show? Pawn Stars, where they called Pulisic the... LeBron James of soccer um, didn't quite amount to that because LeBron James is one of the GOATs. Uh, debate that all you want. Yes, I do think MJ was the GOAT. We can get into that future on, but MJ is up there. Pulisic was not, so to say that LeBron James of soccer was funny. But he's been a Chelsea player. Now he's taking his talents to Italy. He's an AC Milan player. Joining him in AC Milan was Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He came up through the academy. I really like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, but again, he's gone. We lost Azpilico, Azpilico, 
Cesar Azpilicueta. Um, lost him to Atletico Madrid uh, for free. He's gone back to Spain, but he was a great player. Aubameyang's uh, gone to the French League. He went for free. Um, so again, there's a lot of players that have just gone from this Chelsea team that I really, really liked. But they've also brought some really good players in, and I'm going to get through it. They've matched a lot of their outfaces when they're in faces, and don't worry, this is going to be one of the only teams that I do a lot of this because they're one of the only teams that did a lot of changes in their faces. But again, um, Enzo from Argentina, we got him back in January. I really like him as an addition. Wesley Fofana also got him back in January. I really do like him, even though he just got injured. So that's going to be a scary sight to see how long he's going to be out. But I really like that we got him. Mudrik out of Ukraine. Again, he was a good addition that I'm glad we got. Uh, Madweke and Badiashike. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing those names wrong, but I do like those additions. Um, then this summer, we got Christopher Nkuku and Nicholas Jackson. Um, Christopher Nkuku was $60 million. He came out of the German League, RB Leipzig. I think he's actually going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to get 15 goals plus this year. That's why I have Chelsea finishing so high. Uh, up there as well, Nicholas Jackson. We got him for $37 million from Villarreal. Um, I think he's going to be a really, really good attacker. But I, I do think this, this Chelsea team is going to surprise a lot of people. It might take... Might take a week or two to figure it out, but I do think that the Pochettino style is going to do well for Chelsea. Um, they're not in any other European league, so I actually think that they're going to win one of these English leagues. They might not win the Premier League, but I do think they could win the FA League or the EFL Cup. Um, again, a lot of changes in their faces, but they have kept a couple of good ones. Kepa was a good goalkeeper for them. I think he can be all right. It's it's time will tell to see if they bring somebody else in. Wesley Fofana, again, is injured, but I do think him. Lewis Colwell's a young English guy that I really like to see play. I'm very glad they kept Reese James. I think him and Bell Ch Ben Chilwell are a really good wing-back pairing. Um, again, I've gotten into the new faces in their midfield and their attack that I think are going to do really, really well. Um, so yeah, it might shock a couple of people, but I've got Chelsea finishing third. Uh, finishing fourth, I've got that second team in Manchester, Man United. Um, I think they made a bit of a downgrade at goalkeeper, but I've liked the other additions, and they've got a really, really good young attack. So, going to get into who they've added. Very recently, they've added one of the prized possessions in the transfer pool this offseason in Rasmus Hodgland. I probably pronounced that terribly. I pronounced that wrong. He's a Danish forward. They got him for $75 million. A lot of people were trying to get Hodgland. Um, I'm going to call him Rasmus because I know how to pronounce that one. A lot of people were trying to get Rasmus, so that was a good addition. They got Mason Mount from Chelsea. Uh, sad to see him go, but he requested to leave. And it'd be interesting to see if Manchester United is going to use him well. Um, but he's a good addition if they do use him well. And they replaced... Uh, Who's their goalkeeper? The Spanish kid. Um, De Gea. They replaced De Gea with Onana for $52 million. Onana's a good goalkeeper, but I don't think he's as good as De Gea. Um, they've lost Elanga, who's a forward, and Tellez, who's a left back. Um, another guy who went to the Saudi League, Tellez. Uh, but Luke Shaw was really the starter there, so they didn't really lose key players, and I think they've added key players. Um... Onana is going to be their goalkeeper. They've got Luke Shaw, Varane, Lissandro, Martinez, and Delot as a, as a pretty decent backline. I think they're going to give up a couple of goals. They're going to be shaky to begin with, but I think that's not a bad pairing. I mean, grouping. 
that's going to do all right. Um, Mount's going to join Casemiro and Eriksen in the midfield and a couple of other players. Um, and why I really like them is that good young attack. They've got Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford, who are two of my favorite young English attackers, and they're now joined by Rasmus, the $75 million striker. Um, so, yeah, they might be shaky at the back, but I do think they're actually going to score a lot of goals, and they're going to finish fourth. They're going to finish in that top European spot to earn that Champions League. Uh, fifth place is going to surprise a lot of people. I have Aston Villa. I'm going to be honest, I'm going on a reach here. I, I, I want to pick a hopeful person here, and I think it's going to be Aston Villa. Uh, right now, they're in the UEFA Conference League. Um, that's because Manchester City won the EFL Cup last year. That's another cup they won. Because they won the EFL Cup, this spot in the EFL Conference League goes to the next highest team that's not in a European Cup, which I'm going to get into later because Brighton has one of those European Cups. So Aston Villa, who finished 7th, now finishes in this Conference League Cup. But they're in that, along with the Premier League and all those other English tournaments. I think Aston Villa is going to finish 5th. I really do like them. They've added Pau Torres, who's a good good defender. Moussa Diaby, who's a forward. Yuri Telemans, who's a Belgian. I think he's... One of the next waves of Belgium, they're coming off their, their golden generation, I think. Um, but Telemans is a really good player who's still decently aged for them. And they've only really lost Ashley Young, who wasn't a crazy performer. Um, so they've got the Golden Glove um, from last year. Martinez, the Argentinian goalkeeper, he's also just coming off a World Cup. Um, Lucas Digne is a very, very fast left back. I like Tyrone Mings. Pau Torres is a new addition. They've got good defenders. Um, Kamara was a really, really good player for them last year. And now he's joined by Yuri Tielemans, who I think are going to be two anchors for that defense. I mean, for that midfield uh, for Aston Villa. And now Musa Diaby is joining um, Philip Coutinho, who was a wonderling for Liverpool a few years ago. I think he can... Maybe not bring back that exact form, but I think he's going to perform pretty well as um, for them. Uh, he joins Leon Bailey, who's uh, a Jamaican, so another shout-out to uh, the Jamaicans out there. He is a really, really good winger, uh, very fast, can score the occasional goal, and Ollie Watkins is the other forward on this team who I think is going to earn an English berth pretty soon. He's He's a really, really good performer that is is just bound to make that English squad. And because of all of that, that's why I have Austin Villa finishing fifth. But the team that is going to compete for them for fifth, but I have finishing sixth, is Liverpool. Um, I don't think they're what they used to be a few years ago. Uh, might call me a hater. I'm not one of the bigger fans of Liverpool, but I give them their respect. Um, they are still competitive, but I think they've fallen off. They've got Andrew Robinson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, who are still, in my eyes, one of the best pairing of wingbacks in the in the league. Um, they've got Van Dyke, who's lost a bit of a step, but I still think he's amazing, if not top five defensive backs, if not top three. Um, but he has lost a little bit from his glory days of, of where Liverpool was. They lost a lot of their midfield in Fabinho and, and Henderson to the Saudi League, like a lot of the, the, the English Premier Leagues did. But they've still got some good young fours who are getting up there, and Mo Salah is still the face of Liverpool. They're still a good team. They're still coached well. Uh, I do think they're going to compete up there, but I had them finishing sixth because I want Aston Villa, the underhorse, to finish fifth. 
Um, but yeah, those are the teams that I think are going to finish in the European spots. Um, other teams that are going to finish in the top half, I have Brighton finishing in the top half, Brighton Hove Albion. My dad's a huge Brighton fan, so i got to give him a shout-out. I do think they're going to finish in the top half, but not in one of those European spots. They're in one this year. They, they're, they're in the Europa League because Man City, again, they won the FA Cup. The FA Cup spot goes to the Europa League winner, but because they're in the Champions League, they can't also be in the Europa League, so it falls to Brighton, who finished sixth. Um, but yeah, Brighton is in the Europa League this year. Uh, I don't know if they have enough depth, which is why I had them not finishing in the top six, because I don't know if they can keep up in both leagues. Newcastle, they also finished fourth last year. They're in the Champions League. I don't think they're going to have enough depth. Again, I think they can be a top half team, but I don't think they have enough depth to compete in both, so they're not going to be in the sixth spot. West Ham's also in the Europa League. They could perform well, but they can't compete in both. And Tottenham, I don't know what's going to happen with Kane. I think Tottenham's going to finish seventh, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're going to be competing for a European spot this year. Now we're flipping to the bottom, and again, the relegation... For the non-soccer fans, no, football fans, sorry, I'm in Canada and it gets me every time. Ah. The non-football fans, the bottom three teams get relegated. And who I think are going to finish in the bottom three are Luton Town, Sheffield, and then a competition between Fulham and Burnley. Luton Town and Sheffield are almost guarantees. Luton Town, I love their stadium. I don't know if any of you guys have seen the videos. There's like entrances that are basically in people's backyards. You walk through someone's house to get into the stadium. It's going to be really funny when you see like Manchester City roll up to Luton Town. Um, they're a great squad. I'm giving them their credit. I'm so happy to see them up there, but I don't think they're going to stay. They're going to drop down. Sheffield United's also going to drop down. Um, and then Fulham and Burnley are going to be the two people that I think are going to be competing for that last relegation spot. Fulham, I do ultimately think, is going to be the one that, that does take that third relegation spot. And as I said, the final prediction for my English Premier League is that golden boot. Erling Haaland, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, he is the greatest striker in the league. Um, he is going to win golden boot, surprise, surprise. Depending on where Harry Kane goes, I think he's going to finish second. I think he could compete if he stays in the league, but Erling Haaland's too dang good. He's got Kevin De Bruyne giving him all the passes he wants. Erling Haaland's going to win the golden boot. Um, but yeah. There's my predictions. I've got Man City finishing first, Arsenal Arsenal finishing second, Chelsea finishing third, Man U finishing fourth, and the relegation spots, Luton Town, Sheffield, and Fulham, with Aston Villa earning that fifth um, Europa League spot. Uh, hate me if you want. I know I'm very biased on the Chelsea one, but those are my predictions. Let me know what you think in the comments. I know a lot of you are going to think I'm crazy, but again... Let me know. That's what I think. And uh, here we are, heading into a drink break. So, as I mentioned earlier, the Women's World Cup is going on right now. And by a request by my auntie Connie, she, she wants me to do a, a dive into the Jamaican Football Federation women's team, the Reggae Girls. Uh it's one that I absolutely took on. I love to do it. It was a, an amazing uh, uh, bit of research that I did that I didn't know a couple of things here and there. So I, I was I was shocked myself at some of the things that I found out. Um, but yeah, let's dive right into it. 
So the the Reggae Girls were founded by Andrea Lewis back in 1987. I'm doing the straight history. Our first match was a 1-0 loss to Haiti in 1991. Um, I'm going to do a, a kind of quick run-through of the, the earlier history days. We, we qualified for the CONCACAF Gold Cup in 02 and 06. The CONCACAF Gold Cup is the North America, Central America, and Caribbean tournament for those that don't know um but yeah we qualified for those in the 02 and the 06 we didn't really do much didn't really do well i think we finished last in our group in both of those um didn't really do greatest performances and in 2010 the jamaican football federation actually cut funding for the reggae girls um and due to three years of not really playing in 2011 the the fifa didn't even rank the jamaica in our in the world rankings but then, in April of 2014, uh, Marley, who who's the daughter of Bob Marley, a, a huge fan of football, um, Sendela Marley joined as the ambassador of, of the Reggae Girls, the Jamaica football women's team, um, and, and did some great funding. She funded, I believe it was over 50,000 euros herself. Um, so between 2014 and 2018, with the funding, entered a few tournaments, um, did some, I wouldn't say scouting, but really reaching out to there to, to, to get a roster out there. Anybody that had dual citizenship, any, any Jamaican citizen heritage that was good enough and wanted to play for the Jamaican women's team, they were looking for. Um, so they entered a few tournaments, didn't really do a, a crazy amount between 2014 and 2018. Um, but then in 2018, they joined the, I shouldn't say joined, they, they qualified and made the CONCACAF World Women's Championship. Uh, they actually came third place. So they made it out of the group stages. Uh, right away, USA beat them though. But then they beat Panama in penalties. So they, they were third place in there. And what was key about this is that actually secured a spot in the 2019 World Cup. Why this was huge is because this was their first ever World Cup. Um, what also makes that very, very big for Jamaica, um, big theme on Jamaica. Again, it's Jamaica's Independence Day. What made that huge is we are now, I believe it's now, we're the only Caribbean team that has had both the men's and the women's football team make the FIFA World Cup. Um, so that was a huge secure back in 2019 by coming third in the 2018 CONCACAF Women's Championship. Um, in the 2019 World Cup, they, they lost all their matches, which was unfortunate, but they were there. That's what matters. They, they, they got there, which was huge coming from, they weren't even a team in 2010 to nine years later, they're in the World Cup. Um, they did get one goal from Havana Salon. Um, so that was very, very big. Uh, but again, they unfortunately lost all their matches. Didn't do that great, but they were there. Then in 2022, after a couple of coaching changes they then hired lauren donaldson who was named the head coach and they qualified for the 2023 world cup um, which was also huge because again jamaica is the only team that has had the both men and women qualify for the world cup the women are the only team to have done it twice the men only did it once um so yeah the women doing it uh for this this coming 2023 world cup or ex currently going on um was something the men couldn't even do um 
However, for the the World Cup, they they struggled to get there. The Jamaican funding only gave them, I believe it was around 60,000 US dollars of funding. Don't quote me on that. I'm not completely right, but it's around 60,000. Um, uh, they didn't really have a lot of money going around. So Havana Salon's mother actually launched a GoFundMe, which raised, again, over $50,000. Um, and because of that, it helped get them the, the funding that they needed to go to the Women's World Cup. So that is huge. Jamaica, um, again, founded in 87, fell out. Then Sendela Marley in 2014 came in as the ambassador. She's been huge for the reggae girls. Um, brought them to where they are now, uh, funding and ambassador wise. Um, and then again, that GoFundMe to get them to the Women's World Cup has been huge. And I'm going to get into their successes at the World Cup in the upcoming segment. Um, so hold on tight. Um, but their current roster heading into the World Cup, they've got Sydney Schneider, um, who's got 21 caps for the team already. Uh, she's done great performances. Uh, I believe it was in that 2018 CONCACAF Gold Cup. Don't quote me on this again, but I believe it was around then or one of the tournaments where she had some amazing shutouts that that got the performances to qualify for World Cups. So she's been a big goalkeeper. Also on that squad is Rebecca Spencer. Um, I'm highlighting her because she's one, the backup. She's another goalkeeper on Jamaica, but she plays for Tottenham and is about the only thing that I like in Tottenham. Um, so big up to yourself, Rebecca Spencer. Their defensive lineup is, I think, a, a super cohesive lineup. They've all had 25-plus caps for Jamaica. Uh, it's the sisters in Chantel and Allison Swaby, uh, Kanya Plummer, and Denisha Blackwood. Um, again, all of them have had 25-plus caps for Jamaica. They're on the older side, yes, but they're also you know exactly how they play with each other, a good cohesive unit. The midfield of Jamaica right now... I've mentioned her a few times already, and her mother, Havana Salone. She's joined with Trudy Carter, who's also got 20 caps for Jamaica in the midfield, and a couple of other players, but those are the two anchors in the midfield. And their attack is Khadija Bunny Shaw, who I'm going to highlight later. I love Khadija Bunny Shaw. She's joined with Jody Brown, um, who both have 30 caps. The two of them, again with the 30 caps, are joined by Tiffany Cameron. Shayna Matthews and Kayla McKenna, who have all also had 10 plus caps. So it's it's a unit that have played with each other and well with each other. Um, but I am, wow, sorry, I'm a little distracted. I'm also watching a WNBA game in the background to quickly pivot sports. It's the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. Sabrina Ionescu just drained a deep shot. Um, for those that don't really know WNBA, hang tight. I'm going to get into that. It's too exciting of a league. And Sabrina Ionescu just hit a beautiful shot. Um, it, it got my uh, my attention. Uh, sorry. But back to this Jamaica, the regular girls. Um, again, yeah, their attack has, is a good cohesive unit. And they have, in my eyes, who I think could be an MVP of the tournament. And it's Khadija Bunny Shaw. So she's had 39 appearances for Jamaica and 55 goals. She is, without a doubt, the most decorated Jamaican striker and I think will be one of the the Hall of Fame, the, the Mount Rushmore Jamaican athletes. Um, she was born in Spanish Town, which is St. Catherine Parish. Um, American people, parishes are like states. Uh, Canadians, they're like provinces. Um, but yes, we have 14 parishes. St. Catherine's one of them. Spanish Town's the capital of one of them. And that's where Khadija Shaw is from. 
She went to Eastern Florida State and then transferred to the University of Tennessee, where she then went to Bordeaux in 2019. They're a French league, uh, a French team. Um, so from 2019 to 2021, and then joined Man City in 2021 and has been there ever since. For the international team, she's been with them since 2011. She was on the U-17 team and the U-20 team. Joined the first team in uh, 2015, I believe it was, and has been with them ever since. So she's been with them for the entire growth through the Sandela Marley era. Um, in Bordeaux, she had 39 appearances and 34 goals. Man City, 58 appearances, 50 goals. Again, for Jamaica, 39 appearances, 55 goals. She is a amazing player one to watch i think she's going to be an mvp for the upcoming world cup um which again is one of my predictions which i'll get into so that women's world cup is is coming on hang on tight um we're just having a drink break if i've been stuttering a bit through the episode i'm going to explain right now these drink breaks have been brought to you this week by red stripe <laughs> um it's jamaica's independence day so yes i am celebrating a little bit um so Hang tight. I'm really trying my best to get through this episode. Um, but yeah, Red Stripe, just like Crystal. If you guys are also hearing this, sponsor me. And here we are with the final segment of the day. It's a breakdown and then a prediction of the FIFA Women's World Cup that is currently going on in both Australia and New Zealand. Started on July 20th, with the final being Sunday, August 20th, so uh, don't book anything. You guys should be around for that one. It's going to be an exciting match. Uh, right now, the stadiums that they've been playing in have been, uh, on the Australia side, have been in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane, and two in Sydney. Um, please do not ask me to point out where they are in Australia. I'm just letting you know where they've been playing. And I need to... On the New Zealand side, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing any of these. I know I could be pronouncing them wrong, but Dunedin, Wellington, Hamilton, and Auckland um, are the New Zealand locations. So, yeah, that's the Women's World Cup that's going on. Uh, there have been some major upsets already, a couple of top 10 teams that are already out, um, some big stories that have already happened. Um, but, yeah, it's already going on, so I'm just going to do a bit of a recap of the group stage and what has already happened. So... For those people that aren't crazy football fans and don't know the World Cup, there is uh, eight groups of four teams. Uh, they all play each other at least, sorry, I shouldn't say at least, they all play each other once. You get three points for a win, one point for a draw, no points for a loss. Um, and then whoever has the most points, uh, the top two teams with the most points advance to the knockout stages, which is like playoffs and all other sports. You play, you lose, you're out. Um, so group stages is round robin, round stages, knockout stages is like any other playoff format, you know. So we're going to dive right into it. Uh, actually, sorry, before I dive right into it, this World Cup, I do want to give a shout out to eight teams that have never been to the World Cup before that are in it this year. It's, it's, it's really amazing to see these new teams. It's really amazing to see the sport grow. These eight teams are Haiti, Panama, Philippines, um, shout out to the Philippines. Uh, one of my good friends is, uh, Ila Filipino. He just won an MVP in his basketball league. So, um, no big deal. I know a lot of really amazing athletes. Um, but yeah, Philippines is in it. Portugal, Ireland, Vietnam. Um, got another buddy who's from Vietnam. Big shout out. Should have had him on this episode, but I didn't. Um, 
Zambia and Morocco are the eight new teams. Again, I'll run down because I did some shoutouts. I broke it. Haiti, Panama, Philippines, Portugal, Ireland, Vietnam, Zambia, and Morocco are the eight new teams. It's amazing to see the sport grow. Um, and let's dive into the group stages. So in group A, we saw Switzerland take the lead. Uh, they won that group with five points. Uh, Norway uh, took the second place. They had uh, four points and a five-goal differential, and they knocked out the hosts, New Zealand, who also had four points, but they only had, actually, they had a zero-goal differential. Um, so Norway, with the five-goal differential, edged them out, even though they had the same amount of points. And then Philippines had three points. Um, amazing to see them there. They got their points. Uh, so it's, it's great to see them compete. But again, Switzerland and Norway made it out of there. Group B, Australia had six points. They're the 10th ranked team. They have Sam Kerr, who I think is one of the best players in the world. And she plays for the Chelsea women's team. Shout out Chelsea again. Nigeria, who are the 40th ranked um, team. They made it through with five points, who was the big surprise because they unfortunately knocked out one of my other um, nation countries. Uh, I wouldn't say national countries. I don't know if I was born here. Either way, Canada. Um, they are seventh ranked in the world, but they only had four points. Uh, they had a, a pretty sad 4-0 loss to Australia in their last game. But yeah, Australia and Nigeria are the two teams that made it out of there, which knocked Ireland and Canada out of the World Cup. Japan, um, who's 11th in the world, they are one of three teams in the group stages to win all three of their matches with nine points, so they, they won their Group C. Spain, um, who are 6th ranked in the world, they only lost to Japan, they won their other two games, so they were 6th, and they knocked out Zambia and Costa Rica um, in Group C. Group D had England, who's 4th ranked in the world, they were the second of the three teams to win all three teams, um, so they also had nine points and won their group. Denmark, just like Spain, only lost to England, won their other two, so with six points they advanced, which knocked out China and Haiti out of Group D. Group E then had Netherlands advance with seven points, and then USA, who everyone has, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people had as the favorites, just narrowly got through. Um, they drew against Portugal in their last match, with which got them their points, or or maybe I shouldn't say the last match, but they drew against Portugal in there, which was one of their key points, um, that they only got second place, uh, even being first ranked in the world and defending champions. So Netherlands and USA advanced out of Group E, which knocked Portugal and Vietnam out. Group F, F for France. France won their league with seven points. Um, they won their group. And then this is where Jamaica, the Rega girls, who I just explained their amazing run, they qualified. They had five points. They're the 43rd ranked team in the world. And they drew against Brazil. One of the greatest, if not the greatest match in Jamaica women's football history. They drew against Brazil, which got them that one point, And they were fifth. The second point they needed to advance them into the knockout stages with France. Which knocked out Brazil um, and Panama. So, again, Jamaica, ecstatic. I'm going to be getting into them a little bit later. Uh, or I already got into them, and I'm going to be briefly getting into them. I've already explained them, and I'm going to be briefly getting into them later. Sorry, that's the red stripe again. Um, but France and Jamaica qualified out of Group F. Group G had Sweden. Um, they're the third-ranked uh, team in FIFA World Rankings, and they were the third of three teams to win all their matches with nine points. 
Um, South Africa squeaked by. They're the 54th ranked team in the world, and they got through with four points, knocking out Italy and Argentina. And then Colombia in Group H, that final group, Colombia advanced with six points, and Morocco, who's the 72nd and lowest ranked team to advance, advanced with six points. Um, they beat Colombia to advance, and in that group, one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest upset of the tournament right now. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I'm going to get into it. But the biggest upset at the time was Germany, who's the second ranked team in the world, did not advance because they drew to South Korea in the last match, which caused Morocco, the 72nd ranked team, to advance. So Colombia and Morocco made it, and Germany, the second ranked team, did not. So Germany and South Korea were the ones that got knocked out. Big stories in the group stages. I'm biased, but it is a huge story. Jamaica. They needed a no a GoFundMe to get through. They're the 43rd ranked team, and they gave up no goals. They're the first Caribbean team ever to advance to the knockout stages. Oh my god, sorry. I'm still watching the basketball game, and Sabrina Ionescu is still making deep shots. Always when I'm talking about Jamaica. Um, but yes, Jamaica advanced. The first Caribbean team to do it is a huge story in the group stages. Big ones that are out. Germany, Canada, and Brazil all ranked in the top 10. They're all out of the knockout stages. Morocco, South Africa, and Nigeria all in, even though they're ranked 40th and higher. Um, Colombia had a teenager, Linda Saicedo, who I'm going to get into. Uh, she was a great player. Um, and then other big stories. Uh, one of my favorite, she, she kind of got me into women's soccer. Marta out of Brazil. Um, this is her last World Cup, so it was sad to see her go. That was one of the, the, the good things to see. I mean, I shouldn't say good, but the things to see in the Jamaica match was the respect that uh, Bunny Shaw gave Marta. And then also being Canadian, Christine Sinclair, this is her last World Cup, so now that Canada's knocked out, um, yeah, we're no longer going to see her, and those are some pr pretty sad uh, sad ones to see you go. MVPs of the group stages, I've already mentioned it. I think it's uh, three people. Linda Saicedo is a teenager from Colombia. She's, I think, had one of the, the goals of the tournament where she dribbled around two or three defenders and had a beautiful goal. Um, could be biased on this one, but I think she had a great group stage nonetheless. Rebecca Spencer, the Jamaican goalkeeper that plays for Tottenham. I talked about her in a previous segment. Um, she's had 17 saves and three clean sheets to propel Jamaica to where they are. And finally, Lauren James out of England. Again, they got they won all their matches. She has three goals and three assists. She's contributed to six goals of their eight. Um, so yeah, because they've won all their matches and she's been a key spark, I do think she's going to get the MVP. But again, Linda Saicedo and Rebecca Spencer are in their runnings. That now moves us on to the knockout stages. Um, I'm recording this on August 6th, Jamaica's Independence Day. So we've already had some of the knockout matches happen. Um, Spain beat Switzerland uh, earlier, and Japan beat Norway. Um, and the Netherlands actually beat South Africa. So those were three of the ones that have been knocked out. And the final of the knockout matches that has happened is the other and biggest upset of the tournament. Sweden beat USA on penalty kicks. Boy, did they barely beat them too with inches on that penalty kick, but a goal is a goal. And the third-ranked team, which sounds funny saying did an upset, they beat that first-ranked America team who were giants. They were dominant factors. I thought they were going to win, and they, they got knocked out by Sweden in penalties. 
So again, the four knockout matches, Spain knocking out Switzerland, Netherlands knocking out South Africa, Japan, who's a fire machine right now on offense, knocking out Norway, and Sweden, the big upset, knocking out USA. Now, my predictions for the rest of the World Cup. I think that England's going to beat Nigeria. I think Jamaica's going to do it again. I think they're going to beat Colombia in advance. Australia, the host nation, I think is going to pull it off and beat Denmark. And then I think France is going to end Morocco's um, Cinderella run and move on to the next round. That's then going to move us on to the round of eight, where if the brackets go the way I think they do, I have Spain beating Netherlands. I have Japan, who is, again, a rocket fire on offense right now. I have them actually beating Sweden. I have England finally ending the Reggae Girls Cinderella run. Um, I want England to, I mean, Jamaica to run all the way. And if they do, I'm, I'm going to be ecstatic. But I do think that England's going to uh, oust that flame. And then I have Australia being propelled by the home crowd. Um, Sam Kerr, again, I got into. I think she's one of the better players. I think they're going to beat France. Which moves us on to the semifinal round. Um, where again, if the brackets go the way I think, I have Spain beating Japan. And England finally knocking out the host nation, Australia. And then in that finals, as they always say on the men's side, which I don't really know why they say it because it's not really home, but England's going to bring it home and England's going to win the World Cup. They're going to beat Spain. Uh, final score is 2-1. Don't hold me to that. I'm not uh, responsible for any bets. I'm a betting man. I have England 2-1 versus Spain in the finals. But again, do not hold me to that. Um... I want to see Jamaica go all the way, and who I think is going to be MVP is Khadija Bunny Shaw. I think she's going to be MVP of the knockout stages. Um, if not, Lauren James is going to continue her magical run. She's she's really performing well for England. Um, but yeah, that's what's happened so far and what I think is going to happen um, for the World Cup. Um, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, one of the things that does suck being uh, in Victoria is the matches are on in midnight, so... Um, I will be honest, a lot of my research has been YouTube highlights on what I've seen. So if I've missed anything, please let me know in the comment section. I'm, I'm happy to correct what I've, what I've said is wrong. Um, the matches are continuing to be on at midnight. For those that want to know, Jamaica's next one is for Victoria time, Tuesday at 1am. So set your alarms, be awake. Um, yeah, the women's soccer game is growing. It's, it's an amazing, amazing sport to watch and I'm excited to, uh, finish this World Cup out. And that's a wrap on today's football-dominant episode of Roped-In. Uh, again, I'm your host, John Roper. It's It's been a blast. Um, uh, I really had a lot of fun learning these ones, so shout-out to Andy Connie. There's a lot of things that I didn't know about the, the reggae girls that, that I'm very happy I do now. Um, I've let you guys know my crazy takes on the English Premier League and what obviously are some really safe takes on the English Premier League. And then finally, a little bit about the Women's World Cup. So thank you for sticking around. Again, I'm having a lot of fun making these episodes. Um, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try and get a host on here really soon. I know I've been saying that. So, so I'm going to put this out here. Within the next three episodes, I'm going to have a host. Um, why I'm putting that on this episode, I've always said I'm going to do these things. So I'm now saying certain things to hold it accountable to myself. So like I said, I want to do this podcast for the longest time. I didn't, so I finally went out and I bought a mic. 
Yeah, it's not an expensive mic, but I put money into the game, which finally put fire under my ass, and I made this podcast. Um, then I came out, and I think I said, if I haven't said it, I'm going to try and drop these episodes at 5 p.m. my time, um, which is Pacific Time, Victoria, uh, every Sunday. So I'm saying that here and now. That way I'm holding myself to making these episodes. Um, and finally now, within the next three episodes, I'm going to have a host. That's my next um one out there to hold myself accountable um, so you guys can roast me in the comment section if I don't do that within the next three episodes. Um, but again, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun making these, so thank you very much for, for listening to these. Um, if there's anything you'd like me to talk about, let me know in the comment section. Let me know an email. Um, if you have my personal Instagram, let me know there. Everything's open. Um, so yeah, guys, this has been really fun, and uh, stay tuned for another episode next week. Peace. Oh, what am I forgetting? As always, Hakuna Matata.